Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to the ADCES podcast, The Huddle, conversations with the diabetes care team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. We've got a great show for you today. We're talking about insulin affordability resources and the latest on the many assistance programs available to your clients. We've invited certified diabetes care and education specialist, Diana Isaacs from the Cleveland Clinic to share updates from her comprehensive resources available on the ADCES website. Diana, welcome to the huddle. Thanks. It's great to be here today. Well, we are so happy to have you, especially since we're talking about affordability. And you've always been such a great resource to me. That's why, you know, we really wanted to have you on the show to talk to our listeners about affordability and insulin. But before we jump into that, maybe you can share a little bit about you and who you are and how you got interested in the subject. Yeah, sure. So I'm a clinical pharmacist at the Cleveland Clinic Diabetes Center, and I'm also our uh, continuous glucose monitoring program coordinator. So back a couple years ago, I served as the pharmacy uh, community of interest leader for ADCES. And during that time, we had a great group of people that like were very motivated to do different things. And so this issue is a very hot topic about people can't afford their medications. And I know I it's something I deal with in my clinic, all different types of people who are having trouble paying for their medications and you see people rationing their insulin and trying to figure out what to do about that. And so we had this idea to develop a task force to create these toolkits, an insulin cost savings toolkit, and then also a non-insulin cost savings toolkit for the other types of diabetes medications. God, how helpful. I mean, I know that that COI, I see that blowing up with messages all the time, especially around this topic. So how helpful to create those resources. And I think we're gonna get into those pretty soon. But before we do, Just for those people that might not, because our listener base is pretty broad now, for those people that might not have that history of insulin and how we got to where we are right now, I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So it's almost the 100th anniversary of insulin, I guess you could say, Um, 1921, when Banting and Best developed it or figured it out, how insulin helps people and can save people's lives with diabetes. So the original insulin, it came from dogs, and then we had cattle and pigs. And actually, one thing that's really interesting is that I guess the original patent for insulin was sold for $1. So you can see the prices escalated a lot since then. But our insulins are very different today than they were back then. In 1982, synthetic insulin was developed. And now our insulins today, much better, work more like physiologic insulin, like someone who has a fully working pancreas. And so we have, you know, much faster acting insulins. We have inhaled insulin now. We have um, longer acting insulins that serve much better to have a constant basal and less hypoglycemia. So we have really come a long way with the different types of insulins that we have today. Okay. So I want to jump into all the 
biosimilars and the follow-on biologics and all these different kinds of insulin, but a dollar, the patent sold for a dollar? Yeah. <laughs> so yes, it originally sold for a dollar. And one of the thoughts was that this life-saving medication, they wanted to be affordable for people. So yes, one dollar. Okay. So that's certainly not the place we're in right now. Okay. So let's jump into, I'm going to call it the sciencey part here. So what is the difference between, I heard you talk about generic and biosimilars, follow-on biologics. I know I'm getting all the terminology wrong here, but can you walk us through this? We have many different types of insulins. We, you know, we have our long acting, our rapid acting, our even what we consider to be ultra rapid acting now. And I think one of the sources of confusion is, well, do we have generic insulins? What are follow-on biologics? What is all that terminology? And so basically insulin is a biologic drug. And because of the way that it's made, it's difficult to have a true generic because with generics, when you add different excipients, it really changes it. And then it's not really the same drug or it's not considered the same according to the FDA. So a pharmacist with other generic drugs could just interchange it and say, okay, you can get the cheaper generic, but a pharmacist can't do that in this case. It's considered a different drug and they would have to call the doctor to change it. So that's one big difference. But recently, some of the major manufacturers have essentially taken their same product. So this is the case with like Insulin Lysepro. Um, Humalog and just calls it Insulin Lysepro. And because it's created by the same manufacturer, it truly is considered a generic. And the good news about that is the price has come down a lot. It's 50% of basically the usual brand price versus these follow-on biologics, which is like Basaglar and Admalog. Those are generally about 30% off of the original price. I guess in a nutshell, those are some of the differences. So I have so many friends, people not in the medical profession, not in the healthcare field, that refuse to use generics or um, like these follow-on biologics because they say that it's a different drug and it's not going to work the same way. Can people use these from your perspective and your experience? Can they use generics and follow-on biologics? Is it the same impact as the original drug? Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of being able to reduce the cost of it. The generics should really not be a concern at all because it literally is the same as the parent product, just with a different label on it. So there really shouldn't be a concern if someone was able to do well on the brand. With the follow-on biologics, in most cases, I would say 99% of cases, people do just fine. They do great. They don't notice a difference. There is technically, there can be very slight differences with the excipients. So every once in a while, you might have a person that complains of like allergy or, or something when they want to go back to a different insulin. But I would say that is really the exception. And for most people, these are going to be great lower cost alternatives. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to call that brand myth going forward. How's that? Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> so thinking about costs, you mentioned the other day to me, which I thought was kind of interesting. You went through all the different assistance programs that are out there. And you mentioned copay cards. Can you talk a little bit about that and how those work? What we try to do with these insulin cost savings resource is lay it out all the different options that you can have to reduce the cost of insulin. And so copay cards are really kind of the first option for people with commercial insurance. So that would be like non-government, just regular commercial insurance. It's a way to bring down the cost. And I think every person who has commercial insurance should see if there's a copay card, because often there is, and it will help knock down the monthly fee for paying for the medication. 
I think the problem is you have to read the fine print. And so if the medication's not on your insurance formulary, it still may end up being expensive. For example, many of them have caps, like they'll only take off $100. Well, if the insulin is $400, then you know, you're going to be left still paying $300. So copay cards aren't a cure all, but if you can pick something that is on your insurance formulary, and then you also use a copay card on top of that, it's a way to at least cut down some of the cost. And this is something a person with diabetes might not be aware of if they have their commercial insurance. Yeah. And the thing is, many offices will have some of these co-pay cards on hand to give you. But the reality is they may not or, you know, there's so many different programs, you know, it's hard to keep up with everything. But you can go online too on these websites. But what we've done with this resource is we've included all the websites for all the insulins. So you can see what the copay card is. We are keeping it current. So it's all up to date and everything. And you can see like what the maximum it covers and it'll take you straight to that website to go ahead and print it out and take it to the pharmacy. And this is going to be an incredible resource. And this is something you could hand out to people with diabetes? You can. So like many companies will have the physical card and they'll get like, we have a bunch of them here. So we'll give them to patients after their visit. But it's the kind of thing where if you know, you're a person with diabetes, someone didn't give it to you, you can still advocate for yourself and go online, go to our resource and see if there's one available and then print it out and take it to the pharmacy. That's ideal because I know when I visit my physician, I'll go in and it'll rattle off a bunch of things to me. And I only have capacity to remember just a certain amount, you know? So having a resource like that is invaluable. Okay, so another thing we talked about were these patient assistance programs. Pretty much all the major companies have patient assistance programs for their different, um, all the insulin companies do, and then many of the oral agents do as well. And these are a great option for people with no insurance, period. But they're also can be a good option for people with Medicare, who that group, it's a little bit more challenging because they can't use copay cards. So I think a common myth that I hear is people say, well, I don't think I'm eligible because I make too much money. I get too much money. But I think many more people are eligible than they realize. There are, you know, different requirements, but like many times it may be like, for example, Lily's is 400% of the federal poverty level. So, I mean, depending how many people are in your family, if you look that up, a lot of people may actually qualify for that. So I just think it's the kind of thing like we should take better advantage of because if someone does qualify for it, they will get all of their insulin just for free. And then for all of these assistance programs, you have the link on the resource page, right? Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. And then the other thing, now I've heard a lot about these lately. I think they've been in the news recently. Are these specific savings programs? Yeah. So this year there's been some updates. So basically Santa Fe, they have their value program. And so this program allows people to get up to 10 vials of insulin, basically for $99. And so the thing with their program, though, is that you basically can't have insurance to be able to use it. And so that does leave out a lot of people because what I found is that people have insurance. A lot of people do have insurance. It's just not good insurance. They have a really, really high deductible. And so there's other programs as well. Another one that came out this year is Novo's program. It's the My $99 Insulin This one doesn't quite allow as much insulin. It's three vials or it's two packs of pens of Novo insulin, but it works for basically anyone. It includes people with Medicare. It includes government plans. 
it can work for anyone. And so I think this is going to be a great tool for Medicare patients that fall into that donut hole where they're paying really high amounts, having this option where they can at least get, you know, two packs of pens for $99 is going to help a lot. We haven't had something quite like that before. There are other types of programs too, or discount card programs. There's things like GoodRx and SingleCare. These are websites that you can go and print a card and you can actually look up a drug and see what pharmacies might have it at a lower cost. We've included all these websites and little comments about it and how like kind of where you would go and what it does in our toolkit as well. So this is kind of interesting. I've heard you say it a few times. So especially with the specific savings programs, even if you have commercial insurance or Medicare, that you can still use these programs? So that has not been the case up until now. But with Novo's program, you can. It does work. And I I recently used it for um, a person with Medicare, so I can vouch on that. Other programs like GoodRx and SingleCare, those can be used for everyone because they're generally more cash pay. So those cards can be used for anyone. It's not restricted. Okay. God, that's interesting. So here's a quick question for you. I had a neighbor, he asked me, he's on insulin and he switched insulin. He said, you know, I have this leftover insulin and I no longer need it. What can I do with it? Do you have any thoughts? I'm so glad you asked that because that's a question I was getting all the time and I had no good solution for anybody um, because, you know, it's illegal to share insulin. But yet we know lots of people need it. And there are situations where, you know, your prescription changed or maybe you don't need insulin. And, you know, there's just so many things that can happen. So I recently learned of this organization called Insulin for Life USA. And we've also included the website in the toolkit. But it's basically they collect insulin and also other things like testing supplies. And then they give it to people around the world in need. So they do ask that, you know, you vouch that you've kept it stored, you know, it was refrigerated and they want non-expired insulin. But I just think it's really great that now there is a place that you can give it and know that people like around the world who really need it are going to get it. Please don't throw away your old insulin. If you are a person that needs it on the other side, can you access it through Insulin for Life? So my understanding is that this specific program is international and it goes to other countries. So I think within, you know, within the United States, you would really want to probably go with like the patient assistance programs and like the other resources that we have. Yeah, fantastic. Well, you know what, Diana, we only have a couple more minutes left. So two things. First, I want to let people know about this resource we've been talking about. You can get it if you visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash affordability. And that's where you can get the resource guide that Diana's been talking about through this whole discussion. And then, Diana, I always like to leave a couple minutes to let, you know, the person that I'm talking with leave their words of wisdom. What are the big ideas you want to leave with our listener? First of all, I want to definitely think this wasn't an effort on my own. This was a resource that took a lot of time to um, put together and try to collect all the information. And so I had an amazing team of people and that have helped put the work together and also many students and residents and stuff that have helped me. So I want to thank everyone for sure for that. But in terms of words of wisdom, you know, there's a lot of information out there. It is really confusing. It is seriously so confusing. And when you try to like Google things and you don't always get the right place. And so really our intent with putting this together is that when you have that individual in front of you and you're trying to figure out what can I do to help you? Like, it's the saddest thing in the world when someone is 
having to ration their insulin. I had a patient, I had a mother who she was rationing her insulin because her daughter needed insulin and she was sharing it with her daughter. I mean, these stories just break your heart and we all want to help them. And so the purpose of this is now you've got all these tools at your fingertip. You don't have to go searching and hunting different websites. It's all there, all the links. We are committed to keeping this updated. We try to review it quarterly, definitely every six months to make sure these links are up to date. And so that's really our intent with it. Also, there's a component at the bottom where we've included different scenarios and then things to consider. So in these scenarios, we have put, um, like if you have a person enrolled in Medicare, that's when you might look at things like, you know, an insurance plan formulary exchange or patient assistance programs or the My $99 program. And we've done that for Medicare, for private insurance, people on Medicaid, and then people with no insurance. To help diabetes care and education specialists navigate this as you're working with that person in front of you. So I hope that people find this useful and I really wanna thank you for having me here and giving me the opportunity to talk about this today. I know people are gonna find this useful and I think you're really gonna change some lives with this resource. And so thank you and the team for everything you guys did. Oh, you're welcome. There's too many names to list, but all the contributors are at the bottom of the document. So thank you, thank you everyone. Fantastic. All right, talk to you soon, Diana. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today we heard from Diana Isaacs on the many assistance options available to people with diabetes on insulin. You can access the insulin and non-insulin diabetes medication cost savings resources at diabeteseducator.org forward slash A-F-F-O-R-D-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. To access resources and notes from today's discussion, visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. <laughs>